Right, good morning, everyone. Way out in the, the bleachers, welcome. It's, uh, it's, it feels different to be, this is actually now the most people that uh, we've had here now for, for quite a number of months this morning, so it's great, great to be together. And uh, those of you that are online, welcome as well. So good uh, to have you with us as well. Some of you might remember uh, last year, almost a year now, when COVID hit, and uh, we were in the midst of this series in 1 Corinthians, uh, Gospel Clarity Amidst Cultural Confusion. We haven't seen a lot of that in the last year. And we were about to enter into uh, the last part of 1 Corinthians that deals with spiritual gifts and the gifts of the Spirit. And as, when COVID hit, uh, I, just, I felt like there's no way that I can preach that section to an empty church, to a camera, uh, when, when the whole basis of these, these chapters in Corinthians are predicated upon the body being together. And, and that and the fact that obviously things had shifted and we needed to speak to what was happening in the earth led us to press pause on 1 Corinthians. But I, I, in the back, and I know, I think I've mentioned this a couple times, I, I had this stirring in me that we were going to come back to that eventually. We were going to come back and, and as the Lord would will. And so... And then a couple weeks ago, Ron came and he preached on being led by the Spirit. And I know that there were some conversations and questions that came out of that about uh, the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues and what do you do with that. And so I was, I was thinking about that, praying about that. And I felt the Lord that week. He woke me up in the middle of the night and just instantly I had this clear and concise, like in the middle of being half asleep, almost like this download from the Lord of him saying, reminding me, Paul, you need to preach on 1 Corinthians. And I was like, oh yeah. And it was just, it, it, the way, I can't explain it, other, it was just, it was very clear, very concise in a moment. And then I, later, I shared it with Carlin, and he got back to me later that week, and he, he said, you know, he says, funny, he says, the night before that, Tanya was praying about this, and she was praying that God would speak to us about what we should do with this, and that maybe that Paul would teach on that. And then he's like, and then the next day you messaged me this. And I was like, okay, this is really good. This is just the Lord working and moving. And this is how he speaks to us and confirms things amongst us. Now, further to that, at the beginning of this year, 2021, I just felt the Lord begin to stir in me the need to preach with a focus on the Holy Spirit. And, and I... I wasn't sure what that was going to look like at the time, but I felt like the Lord has been preparing us for this time. And so, um, excited, excited for these next three to four weeks, whatever it's going to be, might be four. We're going to spend time in 1 Corinthians 1, 12 to 14, unpacking it and uh, out of a desire to understand and desire the gifts of the Spirit. Because both of those things. The understanding of this and the, the desiring of it are both talked about within these chapters. And so as, as a way to, to keep this at the forefront of our minds right now, and as a way of encouragement to all of us, great question to be asking ourselves, and, and it's by way of reminder. And I want to I wanna also say this to you kids, teenagers, this is not, like again, Ron said it a couple weeks ago, and you've said it, we said it over time, there's not a junior Holy Spirit. There is the Holy Spirit. And so he can speak to you the same way that he can speak to me. There, there's, there's no difference in how the Holy Spirit can speak to us. And so I want to put this to you as well. Don't, don't like zone out and say, this is just for the adults. It's not. 
And this is the question that, to keep at the forefront right now of our minds, do I want more of the Holy Spirit? Do I want more of God's presence in my life? Just, just leave that. I'm going to leave that with you. And might, maybe I'll come back to that over these next couple weeks. Just asking us that question. Just keeping that in the, the back of our minds. Do I want more? All right. Let's, let's pray. Father, we are, are so grateful again for your word. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come and to, to learn and to understand what you're speaking to us through this incredible book that you've given us. We pray this morning as we get into this, Lord, that you would just be speaking to our hearts, opening our minds. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We welcome your presence amongst us. And we ask that you would be speaking to us and moving amongst us. And we pray this in the mighty, the powerful, and the everlasting name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read just the first three verses to start. And, and the order today might be a little bit different than what you're anticipating. So I'm going to just say this at the beginning. I'm going to jump around a little bit here in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to come back to some of it actually next week. Um, but I felt as, as we were getting into it and prepare, as I was preparing this week that the Lord had a certain um, way that he wanted us to go about this. So Paul says there, 1 Corinthians 12, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans or unbelievers, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right, so the Corinthians knew, what, what we can gather here, the Corinthians knew the reality of spiritual forces. They, they knew about all the worship in temples that happened in Corinth, all the weird spiritual experiences that were the norm. They were, but here's the thing, they were also experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit now amongst them. They, they actually, the way that Corinthians is laid out, Paul's responding to a bunch of questions that they had written to him. And so he's, uh, you see this with the letter where he says, now concerning and, and that sort of thing. And so he's do, that's what it seems like he's doing here, that they had written him about some questions about the Holy Spirit, the gifts, and what was happening amongst them. And so he says, now about these things. And so there is this, what, he's, what Paul's doing here, and this is for us too, is there's an invitation here to understand these verses and the whole chapter reveal that there's a supernatural element to the presence of spiritual gifts in the church. And we need to distinguish uh, between what is of the Lord and what is not. Now, on one hand, our culture right now has just totally dismissed this with the, just the rapid influx and uh, increase of technology, of materialism in our culture, and, and just the, this idea that there's nothing here amongst us beyond the natural. Whatever you see here, is, that's it. And so there's that. But then there's also this increasing embracing of the spiritual realm in our culture as well. And at times, there's this concerning mix happening within the church. And a lot of it is, in, in some pockets, is largely 
universalism, meaning like whatever suits you. I believe this, you believe that. Hey, that's cool. Whatever suits you, that's, that's great. We, we have Christians now, they're, they're engaging with astrology, predicting of the future. There's, there's a widespread acceptance of yoga, stuff like yoga happening in the church, which yoga is rooted in Eastern spiritual practices. You can't redeem yoga just like you can't redeem worship of the sun god. There's this welcoming of indigenous spiritual practices that embrace demonic spirits in the church and this mixing going on. All of this stuff is extremely harmful for discipleship to Jesus and invites demonic activity into our lives. Now, you also then have elements within the evangelical church rejecting the charismatic movement, claiming that certain manifestations are of the flesh, they're even demonic, There's this intentional avoidance of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says here, there's a clear way we can distinguish what is of the Lord. He says, one cannot curse Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and one cannot declare that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, there's a massive difference between clearly identifying and rejecting spiritual practices that are from pagan religions being mixed with the way of Jesus. And there's a clear difference between that and being resistant to certain movements in the church because they make us uncomfortable or we haven't experienced that in our lives. Sort of the thing that we see in some corners of the evangelical church where there's this opposition to the charismatic movements and that sort of thing. So, so all this highlights for us the importance of alignment with scripture. Study of theology, looking to the truth held by the church throughout history, that's another really important part of all this, and counsel with other church leaders. That there's actually counsel going on in leadership and, and talking about these things. But this is an invitation to understand about the nature of spiritual gifts and the reality of them for the church. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. We, we don't want to be ignorant of these things. And, and the thing is, for all the issues that were in the Corinth church, and really hardly any different from any Western church today, we need to remind ourselves what Paul said to them at the beginning of the letter. He said, you have been enriched in every way in Christ, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. So, yep, there was issues in the church in Corinth, but they were experiencing the presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he goes on and he says there in 1 Corinthians 1.8, or 1.7, sorry, he says, you are not lacking in any gift. So amidst all the issues, I think we can kind of look at the book of Corinthians and we can read the messes that were going on there and we can suspend realizing that this stuff goes on in the church today and we can go, oh, we don't want that. They, they were messed up. But Paul says, no, no, you, no, they weren't. They were actually, they were operating in the Holy Spirit. They weren't lacking in any gift. And that's something to desire. So let's go on. Let's read verses four to six. There are different kinds of gifts or varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. 
Now, I want to press pause there, and I want to jump over to verse 12 and verse 13, and I want to read these and then combine the two. Paul says there in verse 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though in all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So he talks there in verses 4 to 6, and in verses 12 and 13, he talks about the same spirit and the one spirit. He wants to make it clear to them, there's one and the same spirit. And so how do we understand this one and the same spirit in the church, because this raises questions, really big questions, about how we understand the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because you have to, when you read this, you have to affirm that all followers of Jesus have the presence of the Holy Spirit in them, meaning that there's the indwelling Spirit in everyone. Now this gets into then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the second baptism or second blessing as some would call it in the evangelical charismatic circles or, and it gets into, well, these are these first class Christians and second class Christians. You have the baptism of the spirit. Uh, you do, uh, they don't sort of thing. And then you have those, you know, you really need to be baptized in the spirit. You have people asking, like, have you been filled with the spirit? Have you been filled? We can't read that out of this text actually. But it's interesting, the Greek meaning of baptism there, it's profound because it means to be overwhelmed by or to be immersed in. And so I think this highlights our lack of searching or, or deeply even probing scripture or theology. Because 1 John 4.3, it says, test the spirits. Acts 17 talks about how the Bereans examined the scriptures so there's this thing about being eager for the Lord, being eager for God, but not cynical. So what, what, about, what about the move of the Spirit? What about these refreshings? What about moves of God that we've seen in the charismatic movement, other moves of God in church history, the, the fresh fillings or the pouring out of the Spirit? How, how do we make sense of those things? And this, this church, LCF, was founded out of a desire for more of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we just recently found a letter, a document that was written way back when this church was founded about what the intent of this church was to be. It was so cool to see a handwritten letter. This, this is, it, and it came, the people who founded LCF, it came out of them experiencing more of the Holy Spirit, coming back to Lamarck and saying, we want more of the Holy Spirit. And so that led to sort of a house church, if you will, and then that led to this church. And, and so embracing, some of that meant embracing charismatic practices. We believe that that would be, and that is in alignment with Scripture, so how do, we, how do we understand the move or the filling of the Holy Spirit? Because our desire is to be a church that embraces and invites the presence of the Holy Spirit because our conviction is that it leads to a deeper relationship with Jesus. It empowers us to live as disciples to the way of Jesus. It's all about God's glory in us and through us. It's, it's the whole thing of what John Piper says, God is most glorified 
when we're most satisfied in him. Love that. We hold to that. We want that. And we need the Holy Spirit. We can't, we can't live to the way of Jesus without the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's imperative that we pursue more of the Spirit, just like it's imperative that we pursue more of God the Father and more of Jesus the Son. It's not about elevating one above the other. It's about pursuit of the Spirit out of our passion for Jesus and the glory of our Father in heaven. So it's, it's the one way that I would describe it is passion combined with consecration. We're consecrated to the Lord and we're passionate for the things of God. So how I would understand scripture when we speak of being filled with the Spirit is not reception of a second baptism or a filling, as in there's a, subs- a subsequent different baptism, but rather a release of the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives that leads to a deeper awareness of his presence. We have the indwelling spirit, but there's a release that can happen. The Alpha Youth Series, they do a great job of talking about this. I'll never forget this when I watch this in the video where they, they, they give the example of a pilot light on a furnace. And if a furnace operating correctly, a gas furnace always has the pilot light lit, right? It's always going. Now, think about that as the indwelling spirit. You've got the spirit burning, but when the furnace gets turned on, what happens with the burners? They get kicked up, right? And if you've ever seen that, it's just this, and this fire that comes out of the gas, and that's like the release of the Holy Spirit. I think that's an an amazing picture for us as as followers of Jesus. Everyone has the pilot light, but we want that release of the Holy Spirit within us. Brings, and, and what that does is it brings an awareness of the witness of the Holy Spirit, like it speaks of in Romans 8, to us of our assurance. There's this deepening of assurance, like I am God's child. There's fellowship with the Holy Spirit that results. There's an increase of joy. There is an increase of passion. There's an increase of desire for more of God in our lives. There's an increase to seek God's face. And it is experiential because as physical beings, God has designed us to have sensory experiences and perception. You experience things through sensory means. And so when we experience the Holy Spirit, of course it's going to be experiential. It's how he moves. And so, for some, more than others, this can be intense. It can be emotional because God is moving in them. God is moving in people. And he comes and he moves in them emotionally. He's bringing healing. He's bringing release. He's bringing passion. All sorts. And there's an emotional element to that that people feel. And it's not just a one-time experience, but it's something to be sought after as an ongoing reality of communion with God. We seek more and more and more. Go on being filled with the Spirit. I know we say that a lot out of Ephesians 5. But this then includes the release of the gifts within us. So, I experienced the Holy Spirit years ago in, a, in a, a fresh way. He was released in me when I was in Pensacola, Florida with a group of Bible students and I, I experienced God like I've never experienced him before. And, and what was released in me 
completely to my surprise and bewilderment that year, and, and I think to many around me, was like, Paul has a, an ability to preach and teach. And it really came out in India that year when we were there. And people were like, what is going on? And I was like, I don't know what is going on. And that's just, but there was a release of the Holy Spirit within me that, that it was the gifts that came as a result. So everyone receives the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when they surrender their lives to Jesus. That's an ongoing process, the, the, the surrender part. And therefore, the release of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's for everyone. We can clearly say that, that, that it's not for some over here and not for those over there. No, you, the release of the Holy Spirit is for absolutely every single follower of Jesus. And I'm, I'm convinced that's entirely biblical and it's the normative Christian life. It's not some extraordinary Christian life. It's meant to be normative. And so I, I'm fine to talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit or um, baptism of the Spirit or you know, being immersed in or having more of the Spirit, but I wouldn't classify it as a second baptism or something that you get subsequent to conversion in the traditional way that's been understood. But there's always more of the Holy Spirit to be sought after. And his presence, it is overwhelming. Absolutely. So, talking about all this, one of the byproducts of preaching on the Holy Spirit is that it will lead us to touching on distinctives, meaning what we're about or some of the theology and the doctrine that we hold to, the beliefs and the practices that we hold to as a church. And so this is where I, I appreciate the, the charismatic church cultures, if you will, that I've been able to be a part of and I've grown up in, that encouraged and made room for the Holy Spirit. That I, I grew up in an environment where making room for the Holy Spirit amongst us was normative. And, and that was massively influential in my development in my relationship with the Lord. And we want to continue to embrace that as LCF. We make room for the Spirit. And it's normal. It's just part of, of who we are. And so, regardless of our history, regardless of what's transpired in the past, we're desperate for more of the Holy Spirit and in great need of his presence amongst us. We, we need more. I think that it's entirely biblical to always say we need, we want more, we need more. And so this involves our pursuit of this as a church together. This isn't about like Paul's pursuit or the elders' pursuit or the leadership team's pursuit. This is, this is an invitation saying this is an invitation to pursue more of the Spirit together. So you may go, well, what are some of the distinctives? What are some of the practices of the charismatic movement, if you will? And, and some of these, they're found to varying degrees in other parts of the evangelical movement. So it's not like that it's, you know, just um, in, the, in the charismatic corner. It's not that. But I think these are some of the things that would be distinctives of what we would embrace. And that would be spirit-empowered living. Openness, meaning openness to the Holy Spirit. Intentional in making room for God's presence, like we talked about. There's an emphasis on fellowship in praise and prayer. There's the pursuit of God's presence in worship and, and the belief that it involves everyone, that there's not a, a worship team here and, and then this is different. We're, we're all the worship team. We're all here 
to enjoy God and to worship and to increase in our openness to God. Also would be that there's this belief of everyone being a minister of the gospel. Ephesians 4, the the release of the gifts in the church. It's a significant aspect, equipping the body, all of us being equipped to live out the gospel in our lives. There's also a missionary zeal that uh, is a distinctive of the charismatic movement. Not that it's not in other places either, but it's just, it's one of those things that charismatics have definitely embraced over time. And then there's also Christ-centeredness that has embraced, uh, sorry, that has marked the charismatic movement. And certainly in our, our local wider Salt and Light Church Network, we certainly, uh, that's, that's been talked about. We've talked about that as leaders. We have, we've, we've openly embraced that and wanting to pursue more of that. And we do that in our songs. If you, if you pay attention to what we sing, the things that we focus on, we, we focus on Christ-centeredness. And, and what's so, I'm really encouraged that there is, there's a renewal that's happening in parts of the evangelical church where there is this, seems to be this hunger for the spirit that's combined with this spiritual maturity and growth and this pursuit of Jesus. And, and I, I am deeply, deeply encouraged by what's happening in the wider church right now. God is moving and it's, it's really incredible. I know even, even talking to Jess yesterday, and I know some of you ladies who are part of the IF gathering, like that's it's just so apparent in that, that aspect of what they're doing. Like I was like, I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I was like, I was, I was hearing from Jess, and I'm like, oh, it's like, it's so good. It's so good to see people from different theological perspectives, but they're coming together in unity, and there's this hunger, and I'm like, it's just, it's very encouraging. And, and this, this focus on this increasing devotion and commitment to Jesus, following his way, it's sort of this removal of cultural Christianity, which is, that's a good thing, and discipleship to him, hunger for his presence. J.I. Packer, he, uh, he went to be with the Lord last year, but he was a really influential evangelical theolo- theologian. He had a lot to say on this. And, and he didn't, the interesting thing is he didn't label himself a charismatic but he definitely had a hunger for more of the Holy Spirit in the church. And he wrote about it. And he, he spoke of the lack of energy and desire for the Holy Spirit in churches. He said, it's painful to see. He said, he, he asked if the church grasped the supernatural reality of the Holy Spirit life. And then he said this, he said, it's as if God is constantly flashing before us on huge billboards. Remember the Holy Spirit. I would like to shout from the rooftops, Christians wake up, churches wake up, theologians wake up. We study and discuss God, Christ, body life, mission, Christian social involvement, and many other things. We pay lip service to the Holy Spirit throughout. Everyone does these days, but we are not yet taking him seriously in any of it. In this, we need to change. I, I read that and I was like, amen. There's, there's, amen. Now, this is not about an unbalanced fixation on the Holy Spirit. Please don't take that from, from today. But an acceptance and an embracing of his place in the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's someone that we are meant to pursue. But... The realization also 
that how the Holy Spirit himself, his job, his purpose, his joy is to awaken us to more of God. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show us more of Jesus and awaken us to that. And so we want to embrace that. So the verses that we read earlier, they bring up this picture of us being a body together there in verse 12, made up of many parts. We're going we're to leave the focus of the gifts until next week. But I want to look at what, what this means, what Paul says here. So jump over to verse 14, and we're going to read down to verse 27. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with us. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So I want to talk about the presumption in this chapter that Paul has, the presumption of body life meaning we're meant to be part, a contributing part of the body together. Because we've lost this in large part in our culture. There are significant aspects of life in the church together in these verses that we choose to disregard. Commitment to the body was a massive challenge before COVID. And, and the challenge now after COVID has only gotten bigger because we're, we're, being, we're being conditioned to believe that watching church through a screen for, from, is, is sufficient for our discipleship to Jesus. That if we just sit and watch a screen, and that's, that's us as the body, that, that's sufficient for our discipleship. And that, that, you don't find that here at all. Adding to that, our culture is infused with a rampant ideology of self. Has been for decades. It's just been growing, this focus on self, the drive for self-actualization. That's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which was just embraced and has been immersed in our culture, that the highest form of actualization in our lives is this, our, ourselves and all about me. It's been woven into our Western ideology, like to, to the extent that I can't, I don't even have time to talk about that this morning, but it's just, it's woven into the fabric and naturally, very naturally, our culture will drive you to worship of self. 
And, so, and that's absolutely debilitating for life in the body of Christ, as revealed here in these verses. We, we, and we can't separate body life and commitment to others in the body from the gifts of the Spirit. It's presumed here. Paul's presuming your active body life, your being together as the body is part of gifts of the Spirit flowing in you. One flows from the other. And so there's widening circles of influence in this. At the center is our commitment to the local church. So if you, you know the tightest circle, you've got your commitment to a local church. And then you've got your connection to maybe a wider church family. Like for us, it would be our salt and light church family. That's why we, you know, this opportunity to gather together with other people for Good Friday, it's a gift because, yeah, we want to be focused on our local church, but it's not just about us. There's a wider network that we're a part of. And, and, you know, being on that call as pastors this week and seeing one another, even through Zoom and just sharing life, it was like, this is the body. This, this is part of what it means to be part of a wider church body. And I, I can't commend that enough to us. And then, and then beyond that, there's connection in our community and unity with churches in the community, which we want to grow. We're seeking to grow that. And then beyond that, with the global church. Yes, we are part of the global church, and we want to embrace that, that we worship Jesus. But it begins with a commitment to a particular body of people following the way of Jesus. And what I would take from what Paul is saying here is there's something here about consistent presence and participation together, serving, giving, doing life. It's not just Sunday morning. It is that but it's, it's not just that. Now, we're different, and we don't lose our individuality, says that there, but we also embrace this profound truth, and I would, I would say it's almost a mystery, that we have been brought into the family of God and are designed to be part of something beyond ourselves. We're not meant to go at it alone. That was never God's intention and so this is where giving importance to something or anything else in our lives that consistently removes us from presence and participation with the church body, it causes us to actually be out of alignment with Scripture and God's marvelous plan that he has to be a dwelling place amongst his people, that we would be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So... Just, just take for a second, I just want to take masks as an example right now and the whole mask mandate. I struggle with aspects of it personally. I know some of you know that. I, I, struggle, I don't like them. Uh, there's, there's a question in me, per, I'm talking personally, there's a question in me about the science and the lack thereof of that right now. I feel a little bit, I, honestly, I feel a little bit ridiculous sometimes with some of the protocols that we have to follow. And, you know, I've got to get up and put a mask on next to my kids, even though, what difference does that make? But I need to do it. And, and, and you know, in all that, am I willing, here's the question I have, I've asked myself, am I willing to let a mask mandate stand between me and being together as the church? And my answer to that categorically has been not a chance. Not a chance. Do I want to separate myself from everyone here because of a mask? And I, I think I'm, I'm, in, I'm really, I'm encouraged 
that, you know, we can have our different opinions, but we want to be together as the body. We want to be here together. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Okay, I want to I I provide you with a physical demonstration of this, okay? So, the eye cannot say to the hand, and the head cannot say to the feet. So, eyes, head, I'm taking head as being brain, mind. So, if my eyes and my head are here, and I want to go over there, and my, my eyes and my mind are saying, Paul, I want you to go over there. Well, it's going to take my feet to get there. So if the, if the feet say, no, I'm not, I'm not a part of this, okay, well then I go, well, okay, I can get down, and maybe, you know, so the feet aren't in it now, I've got my knees in it, and I've got my hands in it, and my mind and my eyes are looking there, I'm going there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. So I'm going, and then the hands say, you know what, I'm not, not going to be a part of this. So one hand says, I'm, I'm out, okay, so this hand's out, now I can slowly continue, but, but now, see, here's the problem. If the next hand goes, I'm out, and I'm like, uh, and then the knee goes, I'm out. I was going to ask for a volunteer. <laughs> As you can see, that doesn't work. You need everything working together to get from this point to that point. Now, there's some other implications here. Just want to quickly touch on this. Division and disregard is incompatible in the body just like it is in the physical body. And if you aren't sure about that, just think about how long you think you can ignore a toothache in your body or a septic toe. The picture of the body here also presupposes vulnerability. Relationship grows as we share with one another what we're suffering, what we're rejoicing in. And it presupposes you have to be vulnerable to share because people can be like, well, no one cares. Have you shared that? Have you let people know? And, and it really, it also puts the question before us, do we know one another well enough? So next week, we're going to focus on the gifts of the Spirit spoken here in this chapter. We're going to, we're going to go back. And, and then we're, and we'll also probably combine some stuff from chapter 14 because Paul, there's, there's some things there that we need to, to work out. But I want to encourage us this week to spend time pondering the presence and release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to encourage us, I want to encourage you to be praying for this in your life and in the church. Because you are individual, individuals, yes, but you are members of the church as well. You're part of the body. And so praying for this in yourself and praying for this in the church. And I'm going to be doing that this week. I want to also leave you with some questions to journal about if you want this and to spend time contemplating this week. Number one. How have I thought of the Holy Spirit's presence and activity in my life up to this point? Are there attitudes that I need to repent of? Two, where am I at with desire for the presence of the Holy Spirit 
in my life? How am I, what am I, where am I at with that? Am I fearful of more of the Holy Spirit in my life? And if so, why? How can I make myself more open to the presence of the Holy Spirit? And one way, right off the top, I would say, is spiritual practices, spiritual habits, being in the word, being in prayer, having silence and solitude, so, so crucial. Having maybe fast, fasting as well at times is so important. Opening ourselves up to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number five, why do I need others in the church body? How can I care for others within LCF? I want to I invite you, you don't have to, but I want to invite you, if you want to stand, we're, we're going to have the opportunity here as we conclude to worship the Lord and to invite the Holy Spirit, for more of the Holy Spirit to be poured into or released in us. So I want to I invite you, if you want, to stand with me, and I wanna, we want to ask, we're going to end by asking for more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, and Jen will come up and lead us in some worship. And so if you, and also, if you, if you desire that this morning, if you desire more of the Holy Spirit this morning in you, you're going, I, there's, I, I want more. I, I would love to pray for you all. If you want to come up here and you want someone to pray for you, if you feel comfortable with that, we'd love to pray for you as well and just partner together in asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you so much for your work in our lives. We thank you that you are living inside of us. We thank you that you are the guarantee of the inheritance that awaits us, that you are that deposit that has been put in us, and, and, you're, and you're reminding us of the promise that is to come, of what is going to be revealed in us. And so we ask for more of that this morning, Holy Spirit. We ask that you open up the, the eyes of our hearts, that we'd be enlightened to the hope that is within us, to the glorious inheritance that is in us as the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power of God that is in us? We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us, release more and more and more in us. God, that you would make us hungry, thirsty, that we'd be like the deer that pants for streams of living water, that we would long for rivers of living water to flow, to be gushing out of us like Jesus spoke of. We welcome everything that you want to do in us this morning, God. We, re- we surrender ourselves before you. We submit ourselves before you, Jesus. We say more, more, more of your presence in us. Amen.